When Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem, he lamented for the people. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, saw the devastation caused by sin and death and longed to bring the people in and lovingly protect them from themselves. But he was not willing to force his will on them. They needed to choose faith in God. 2,000 years later, it seems like nothing has really changed. What does this passage mean for us as we seek to follow Christ? Are we truly willing to place our faith in God and God alone? Join Pastor Jason Schiller for this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church. Lord, open up your word by your Holy Spirit so that we, Abram, may believe your promises to us. Amen. First reading, Genesis 15, verses 4 through 6. The words word came immediately to him. This man, man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your own biological child. Then he, Abram, outside and said, Look up at the sky and count, and count the stars if you think you have, if you think you can count them, he continued, this is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognizes Abram's high moral character. A, Psalm 100, a psalm of thanks. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter the gates with thanks. Enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him, bless his name, because Lord is go- good. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, Go, get away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, go tell that fox, look, I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. However, it's necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day, because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you. How often have I wanted to gather your people, just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. By every measurable standard, the people of Israel had failed. 
They have failed to live up to their part of the covenant with God. They had failed to be faithful. They had failed to be righteous. They had failed to put their trust fully in God. That's the scene Jesus comes into in Jerusalem. By all outward appearance, they were living devout lives. They had the temple, which was this massive complex, the representative place of where God meets them. They tried day in and day out to follow the law, to follow all of the kosher laws, cleanliness laws. They tried desperately to be seen as righteous by those in leadership in the temple. They wanted to avoid at all costs ever being cast out from the synagogue or being told that they were not clean. But what had happened over a thousand years or more since Moses was given the law, what had happened is what God had intended the law to do had been changed into a structure. A structure that weighed the people down. There was no freedom in the law, only burden. Can you imagine for one minute how much of your day would be consumed by trying not to break 613 different laws every single day. If you add the Sabbath to that and all the extra Sabbath laws and the laws on Passover, it is all-consuming. Every ounce of your day is spent worrying about remaining righteous and not breaking the law. But as I read Exodus and as I read how the law was given, that's not what God intended. The law was not given to burden the people to the point they were. It was given as a way to structure their society so that everyone had a place. So that they were safe from food poisoning and the things that would make them sick. so that they could focus their lives on worshiping God. That was supposed to be the point of their lives, worshiping God. That's not what Jesus saw in Jerusalem. What Jesus saw was a human system that had replaced what God had given, that oppressed the people, You had some in power abusing their power, abusing their place, and making life as hard as it could be. And life was plenty difficult in their time. 
Just before this story, Herod had executed John the Baptist, so Jesus had heard of that already. The Pharisees didn't come looking out for Jesus' best interest, but they tried to get him to go away out of fear of Herod. Look what he did to John the Baptist. He was a prophet. Aren't you afraid that you're next? Jesus gives his reply. Go and tell that fox. If you were a Jewish person in Jesus' time, that's about the worst thing you could be called. You were cunning, untrustworthy, scheming all the time. I don't know if that's really true of foxes, but that's what they thought. Herod was the king over Jerusalem and kind of Israel. But not a real king, not like King David was. Herod was put there by the Roman government. And there are even questions as to whether Herod was actually Jewish. Not everyone's 100% sure that he was really even Jewish. But he was a puppet king to appease the people. And he served at the pleasure of the Roman government. And by all accounts, he used his position to enrich himself. Does that sound familiar in any way, shape, or form to anyone here? It's a story that's very old, but still gets played out. Herod wasn't worried about the people. Herod wasn't worried about being righteous. Herod wasn't worried about anything except Herod. And in fact, when we get to Holy Week, when Jesus goes before Herod, he won't even speak to him or answer his questions. Jesus remains completely silent when he's before Herod. He doesn't recognize Herod's authority. But Herod's scared. Since the birth of Jesus, Herod has been scared. Because when the wise men came and said, where is this king that was born? Herod was threatened. Because there was a prophecy and he was long aware of it. Of an anointed one who would be born and reclaim David's throne. So he first responds by killing all the kids Jesus' age as a way to try to stop it. He kills John the Baptist, and he's going after Jesus. He is trying desperately to stay in power. And Jesus sees all of this and is heartbroken because that's not what he wants for the people. That's not what God has ever wanted for the people. The covenant relationship between the people and God was set up to provide for the people, to care for them, to provide structure for their community. Each time God called the people back, 
It was out of love, not obligation. Because in fact, if you go by the language of the covenant, the people should have been cursed when they failed to live up to their part. But that's not how God responded. God was always calling the people back into relationship, sending prophets to call them back. But over and over again, as Jesus says, the prophets are killed by the people that they're sent to. Jesus knows that that is where his road is headed also. When I was reading the story at the end of last week, it's kind of one I forgot about. I think it's only in Luke's version of the story. Matthew might mention it. But when I read this, I couldn't help but see parallels to our world today. Because in fact, the more I study the Bible and the more I study the span of kind of human interaction with God, we don't really change that much. Go back to the book of Judges and kind of God had provided these wise leaders to handle disagreements among the community. But the people saw the kingdoms around them and said, this isn't good enough. We want a king. God said, no, you don't. You don't want a king. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to take your best stuff. They're going to send your kids off to war. They're going to enrich themselves. You don't want a king. And the people said, yeah, yeah, we want a king. So God provided one. And it was not good for the people. That never changed. What people wanted never changed. When Jesus comes onto the scene as the anointed one, as the Messiah, he comes with a bunch of expectations of a king who would come with strength and power and might, who would raise up an army, who would rage war against the oppressors and free the people once and for all. But Jesus wasn't that kind of Messiah. Jesus didn't meet their expectations, and they turned on him. We're doing the same thing today. Authoritarianism is on the rise in our world. Everywhere. Authoritarianism is on the rise. People are wanting these strong leaders that show might and power and strength, and they're willing to sacrifice their freedom to get it. We're doing the exact same thing that's recorded in the Bible over and over again. And still, religious leaders and authorities are being used to prop it up, to legitimize it. I read an article about the patriarch of Russia and how enmeshed he is with the Russian government and Putin. It happened in Germany with the German church. Swastikas hanging next to the cross in sanctuaries. It's happened over and over and over again, and we don't seem to get any smarter in recognizing it.
Jesus wept for the people because what he wanted for them more than anything was to bring them in, to care for them. But the people rejected him. They didn't want that. That was weakness. They wanted strength. They wanted war. They wanted revenge. They wanted to make the Romans hurt like they've been hurt. They wanted to punish. They didn't want forgiveness. They didn't want grace. We do the same thing. We in the modern church are faced with a choice. Which side of history are we on at this point? Are we going to reclaim Jesus' vision for us? For the church? For our world? Where strength is seen in mercy and love and compassion and abundant forgiveness? where anger and hate and revenge don't have a place. Where we will put others before ourselves, meet others' needs first. Where we will love our enemies. It's the same choice people have had over millennia. We are called to be different. We are not called to conform to the ways of the world, but to conform the world to the ways of Jesus Christ. We are not called to seek power and control over others. We are called to show our power by serving others, by giving up our power in the service of others. Jesus said the first must be last. As we go through this Lenten period of reflection and introspection, let us let go of our aspirations of control and power. Let us let go of our aspirations of revenge. I've gotten so sick of seeing that when politicians talk about the midterm elections. All of the ways they're going to get back at the other party if they take control. Is that what they're sent for? I don't think so. We have to show them a different way. We have to be examples. We have to use our voice and use it loudly and speak up and stand up and say that's not good enough for us. That is our calling. When Jesus gives us the invitation to follow him, that is the calling. And it's hard. And it might not seem very rewarding at times. but it is the work that will change our world for the better. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 